How many of you drink coffee? I love coffee. Coffee drinkers, where you at? Somebody was like, that's me. Uh, I love coffee, and uh, I have to have it in the morning. And I, some people do iced coffee. I can't. I got to have hot coffee. It could be summer, and I need, a hot, I need it consistent. I have to have the same thing every morning. So I live near a Dutch Brothers. I mean, no Dutch Brothers. Any broistas in the house? Oh, hey. Okay, so, <laughs> so if, if you've ever been to Dutch Brothers, what happens for me is I wake up, so it might be 7 a.m., maybe 6.30 if I'm feeling feisty, and I drive to a Dutch Brothers often, and I, I pull into the loop, and I hear, <laughs> and you're like, all right, all right, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I haven't had my coffee yet. See, that's the thing. I'm not ready for human beings. I'm not ready to face the day. The little, the little cup of coffee kind of gets me going, right? And then someone runs out of the little hut and they come up to your car and they scare you to death because you're on your phone and then they're like, hey, what's up? And you're like, oh, oh I'm awake now, right? And, and they're like, roll down your window. I'm like, I don't know. Um, so you roll it down and they're, they've got an iPad or some kind of computer gear and they're like, what's going on? How are you today? What are you doing? I'm like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. So they're like, what can I get you? And then you'd say what you want and they do a punch card thing and then you go up and as you get closer to the hut, it's like, and it's like, oh man, it's, I don't, I'm not, I can't do a rave at 645. I can't. And then you pull up, and one of the broistas is literally hanging out the window like, what's up? You're like, I'm going to hit you. Can you get in the hot? I can't. And then you get up, and they're like, what's going on? And you're like, well, first of all, get out of my car. I don't know how you got in it. I appreciate you're very excited, right? And they get you your drink, and then you're like, they're like, are you, you have a punch card. This is free for you. And you're like, yeah, I come here a lot. Kind of a big deal. And... Um, they're like, are you sure you don't want to upgrade to like a huge 7,000 calorie smoothie with sprinkles? And then I'm pretty practical, so I'm like, yeah, I guess. I mean, I shouldn't probably use the free one on like a little cup of coffee, but like somehow they get me convinced that I shouldn't do my thing, my normal thing. And then I'm like, I, all this social pressure and like there's three baristas smiling at you, the music's going, and you're like, I gotta make a decision. I gotta choose. And you give in, you're like, yeah, I guess. I mean, you're right. I know the smoothie's $9. Now this punch card's worth $9, and that makes sense. What doesn't make sense is that I'm going to drink 7,000 calories this morning. That doesn't make any sense. And so you do it, and they hand you your sprinkles, and it's something like it's called like a red dragon or something, and you're like, oh, i got to start with this. There's, you know, uh, seven shots of something in it. It might be Robitussin. I don't know what's in it. But you drive off. You know, you drive off, and you're like, whew, that was rough. I know some of you like Dutch Brothers. You're like, oh, I love it when they get in my car. <laughs> That's your personality. You see, my personality, I struggle with that. And my wife has a different temperament and personality. And one day she said to me, she's like, why does it bug you so much? I'm like, I don't like forced pleasantries. <laughs> I don't like it. Love it. I don't want to have to be away. I don't want to have to accept them being in my car. I don't want it. And she's like, you know what, Daniel? You're a Christian. I was like, so? <laughs> she goes, love is not rude. So now when I pull up to Dutch Brothers and they're hanging out the window and they're like, hey, I'm like, hi. 
I'm working on it. The title of this sermon, this, sermon, this talk at our gathering is called Personality and Purpose. It's, it's the You Asked For It series. You asked, you wrote in, and you said, how does personality affect my purpose? And it's interesting. That's an interesting question. What I assume you all meant when you wrote that in, it was like, how does my particular and peculiar personality affect my role or job or purpose in, in the church? But it's interesting because you look at the heart creative and you've got Joseph with the great voice and the big the smile. I mean, he's amazing, right? You've got Gracie up here. You've got Austin. You've got the guy on the snacksophone. I don't know your name, but I call it a snacksophone because it's so tasty. You could add it to anything. You know what rap music needs? More snacksophone. Anything. If Dutch Bros had a snacksophone, I'd go every day. It's so good. Oh, it's so tasty. I don't know, brother. I don't know what your name is, but keep playing the snacks. It's so good. So you got all these people, and they're functioning in the same role, very different personalities. You see, my point here is that your role in the church is more based on your gifts and your calling, which, by the way, are irrevocable in Christ. That's a different message. But what I believe your personality affects the most is our ability to get along and coexist and thrive in the body. Your personality deeply affects the purpose of the church because for the purpose of the church to be accomplished, we need you. We need all of you. We need all of you and all your differentness and all your uniqueness. And I would submit to you by the end of our time together, you might agree with me that the biggest threat toward the church is not from without, it's from within. It is the American Christian's ability to get offended by everything and to get hurt and to walk away and to give up on the family of God. Come on. And your personality has a whole lot to do with that because I believe often what divides us is not actually sin, it's methodology and personality. So I want to talk about it today. Are you good with that? Awesome. So, so I have a very particular personality type. I'm going to throw it on the screen. It's called choleric. So I'm going to go with the temperaments, okay? Because there's 16 personality types. There's nine Enneagrams. You know, some people are like, I'm a seven. Some guy's like, I'm an INFJ. Other guy's like, I'm an IEEE 1394. Nobody cares. <laughs> right? We don't know. There's so many. But it's interesting because when civilizations were first kind of starting out, the Greek scholar Hippocrates, like, I mean, this is 500 years before Jesus, and Hippocrates like, there's some crazy people out there. We need four categories. <laughs> like, he's also famous for coining the phrase, y'all need Jesus, 500 years before Jesus came. But it's been this way forever. People are just different. But I want to go with the Greek division because there's only four and we can cover four. Are you good with that today? I understand that there's studies on personality and there's million, you know, all types of variations, but I would submit to you that you're going to kind of fall somewhere in one of these buckets. You ready? <clears throat> all right. So they got Greek names and they sound weird. So choleric is my personality type, my primary temperament. And um, it sounds like a disease, but I didn't name it. <laughs> People ask me, what's your personality type? I say the best one. Fire is the symbol right? Pretty cool. If you're into the animals, it's the lion. That's how we roll. Problem with the fires, it also could be pretty destructive, but we'll get to that in a minute. So cholerics are, are um, known for being passionate. How many passionate people we have? All right, you know if you're a choleric and you know if you're married to a choleric. You're focused. You're efficient. 
You're deeply practical, which is why even when I didn't like Dutch Brothers Broistas getting in my car, I still went. It's so close to my house. I just can't not. It's too practical. You're good at problem solving. You are. You know you are. You're a little bit, you're like, yeah, that's right. Got a problem? Yo, I'll solve it. All right? Confident. You, you delegate. But this is a thing for us, cholerics. You delegate. You know if you're married to a choleric because they'll be like, hey, hey, babe, come in here for a second. You know, you'll call your kids. I got four of them, so I got plenty of people to fetch stuff for me. I'm like, hey, kids, come here. Like, what, dad? I'm like, can you give me the remote right there? They're like, you seriously called me in from another room to do this? I'm like, yeah, but I'm so busy with really important stuff. So, right, you delegate naturally, good at it. You're great in emergencies. Another one of those things where us cholerics are like, that's right, we're pretty good in emergencies. Uh, I don't know why that's a thing, but this was in the book. Okay, so there's a book. I'm just gonna say, I did not add this. <laughs> You're usually right. Go ahead and put that. You can jot it down if you're taking notes. But here's the thing. <laughs> I really didn't make that up. All right? So a choleric person is going to be your typical A-type. Right? You know what I'm talking about? A-type. Very driven, very focused. Um, one thing I didn't put up there that I think is pretty cool is oftentimes A-types or um, cholerics will be optimistic. You know? So they, they kind of jump in head first. They don't often have a plan. They're just like, we're going to figure it out. It's going to be great. So they're great people to have around in that respect. Next one, put it up there, melancholic. Sounds like a tummy ache. My baby has melancholic, screams all the time. Again, didn't name him. You're thoughtful. You're considerate. Melancholic people really like order and they really like manners. The, the melancholic person is at Disneyland and somebody cuts in line, they're like, can they do that? <laughs> We've been waiting. And then if they're married to a caller, they're like, I don't know, just say something. No, that would be rude. Now I would be out of bounds. <laughs> don't say something. <laughs> there are systems in place. <laughs> Disneyland has designed systems and we should follow them. That's a melancholic. Put that slide back up for me, would you? Uh, they're planners. They're organized. God love you. You're a planner. That's it. How many planners? Raise your hand if you're a planner. Oh, and you're so, you know it too. You're like, I planned 100 weddings. Good job. You're detailed, you're independent, fiercely independent. Actually, melancholics are really independent. Something I read uh, about them too is they don't often love physical touch. Now, listen, you might be an exception. There are exceptions, but generally, melancholic people don't love being like, you know, crowded with hugs and stuff. Um, so like we do pre-service prayer. By the way, you should show up for that. It's fire. It's really good. Um, but... Sometimes they might have you get in the middle and they lay hands on you. That's a melancholic person's nightmare. They'd rather just ghost it right there. I'm like, advantage. All right. All right. Um, all right. Here, put the next one. Sanguine. Sworn enemy of the college. So, so identify yourself into one of these buckets, right? We're, we're kind of tracking here. All right. Sanguine, you're the life of the party. They're all smiling at me right now. They're like, you're talking about me. I'm like, yeah, I know. Charismatic. Outgoing. This is my secondary personality type, you can have two buckets. I'm primarily choleric, secondary, sanguine. Spontaneous, you love spontaneity. In fact, if people over plan and over detail stuff, you feel trapped. You're like, where's the room for adventure? You're the kind of people in the lobby of the church and you're talking to a group of people and you overhear another group going to Red Robin. You're like, hey, are we going to Red Robin? And they're like, well, our group was going, yeah, that's my group now. I'm going there with you. It's gonna be so good. We're gonna love it. And then everyone's like, okay, meet you there. And you're like, who am I riding with? Because you don't have a car and somehow you get around everywhere without using Uber. You use your, 
charismatic nature. You almost don't even have to own stuff because people just loan it to you. You're like, oh, I don't have a phone or a phone number. I just, I'm just everywhere. You're so, people just love you. You're popular. You love to have fun. You know who you are. There's a guy right there in the hat. You're grinning there. Somebody's grinning over there. Warm-hearted. This is my favorite trait of a sanguine. Warm-hearted, man. They're warm people. They love other people. You know, you lo- everybody loves to have a sanguine a- around, but not everybody, you know, can handle it. <laughs> All right, phlegmatics. Phlegmatics. My wife is a phlegmatic. She's amazing. You're relaxed. Look how quiet it got, because <laughs> the sanguines just got their moment in the sun. Now the phlegmatics are like, let's, let's bring it down a notch. It's our time. You're quiet, you're calm, you're kind. You're marked by your kindness. Part of that is because you really don't like conflict. You just just don't see any use for it. You're like, I don't don't know why you're frightened about this or arguing about it. He's like, you're gonna have your opinion, I'm gonna have mine, let's be quiet about it. It's gonna be great. You're steady, you're faithful, you're consistent, you're faithful, right? You're diplomatic and rational. Am I describing anyone? Lift your hand humbly. Next. Great people. There he is. Everybody can get along with you. You're tofu. You soak up the flavors of things around you. Like, I don't actually have a flavor. <laughs> you're spicy? I'm spicy. <laughs> you know, you're like, I guess I'll be that. Right? You're a peacemaker. You're, you're deeply accepting. You can really let, like, the, you're the type of people we'd want to have in the lobby because no matter who walks through the door, you're like, hey, you're here. Come on. We can, we can be together. We can hang out. All right? Now, I want, to, I want to talk, so does everyone have a bucket? Everybody have kind of a bucket. Now, I understand you can mean two, like I'm in two, choleric, sanguine. Um, I've talked to a handful of people, like I'm all of them. I'm like, wow, that's pretty rare, but you might be. But go ahead, go ahead and pick one, kind of, kind of lean in. If you're confused, ask your spouse. They'll know which one you are, <laughs> right? They'll just know. Okay, we got a bucket, and we need a bucket because the next part's gonna get a little bumpy. Buckle up. <clears throat> All right, here we go. All right. Uh, We've talked about the upsides, but as you know, any strength overextended becomes a weakness. Because we lean into our strengths because those are the things that get us pretty far in life, and we don't have to wait on Jesus for those things. We can just make things happen with our strengths. So oftentimes when we have desires or wants or if we're in pain and wanna get out of it, we'll leverage our strength. But anytime we use those gifts that God gave us, those strengths in an unrighteous way or if we use them without God telling us to use them, we use them for our own advantage, it can really become damaging to others. Because it's not Holy Spirit directed activity at that point, it's us using what we got to get our way. And I'm telling you right now, why we're talking about this today is because even though we, we are gonna go through these temperaments and, and we want to understand ourselves so we can be better equipped, the only way to fully know who you are is to be found in Christ. As you learn about the God man, as you dive deep with the Son of God, your true self is more revealed. Because he knows you, he built you, he selected you, he formed you, he put the gifts in you, and he's the only one that can truly call him out. Without him, we are empty, we are nothing, we are dead. With him, we are alive. So I'm telling you right now, we can go down this road and we will, 
but the eventual outcome is it doesn't matter what our personality types are because we are Christians and we all have the same call. And it's to love each other, to love our neighbors, and to love our enemy. Without Jesus, impossible. Impossible. But I want to go through it, so buckle up. Will you put up that slide? Cholerics. These are the downsides. These are the your strength leveraged in your flesh. This is what it does to the people you love and the people that Jesus loves. Sometimes we can be too aggressive. Our aggression can often minimize others in the pursuit of our ambition. Sometimes we're domineering. Oftentimes it's a way to control things. And even just someone speaking up their opinion will make us cold or overpower them. Oftentimes we're inflexible, rigid, our way or no way. Or worse, our way or I won't be involved. Man, I used to do that a lot. Rude, tactless. My wife just like dialed in on this one. She's like, love is just not that way, Daniel. It's kind. Love is not rude, it's in. Go read it, 1 Corinthians. It's right there, black and white. Unable to relax, man, this messed me up. How many A-types, how many cholerics, like, like you, you can't detach. Your ambition owns you. What a gift. But when it's in the driver's seat, what a curse. Man, I felt that. Low on empathy, that's a tough one. It's a tough one for your spouse. It's a tough one for your kids. Too busy for people, even family and especially the family of God. I found that to be true in my own life. I'm tattling on myself, that's been me. Now I have so many things I'd love to do and can do and I'm so driven, but sometimes all of a sudden I'll get down the road and realize that I'm just driving in my own lane by myself, alienating people around me through my tactless honesty. But I'm alone when God built me to be in the family of God to accomplish the purpose of the church. So what I did was, as we touch on these, I, I was just trying to meditate in the spirit and I wrote something for every group. I hope it's the Lord for you. I think it is. I tried to get out of the way. Can I just read it over you? Cholerics, okay? So if you're a choleric, I'm gonna make, make you raise your hand, but I hope you take this and I hope it blesses you. <clears throat> you can be a goal-driven maniac and the world rewards that. But Jesus built you to be missional. Don't let your ambitions obscure the mission God has for your life. Be careful to only lead others, but never lord over others in your life. Instead, use your strength to prop others up and serve them humbly in love. You were built strong. Use it for others. Be slow to anger, because how many of you know we struggle with that a little bit? <laughs> and when you do get angry, sin not. Do this because God has forgiven you and he has great things for you to build and lead for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. I hope that blesses you. Come on. Man, you were built strong for a reason. You don't have to hide it. You gotta channel it in Jesus' name. All right, throw up the next one for melancholic personalities. I love melancholic people. Man, they're, they're amazing. <clears throat> By the way, I don't know if this will help you or not, but I thought of this this morning. I'm gonna throw it in there. Um, 
the Proverbs are really great, and there's all like, you know, be care, beware of the lazy person, beware of this person. There's like a different one of these for every group. It's really interesting. The choleric is the scorner in um, Proverbs. So if you go find that in your Bible, you'll get a lot of great stuff. It really has helped me. Um, the scorner seeks their own opinion, like resents correction, um, is, is a source of strife among the community sometimes. It doesn't have to be that way because in the Holy Spirit, you are freed up Right? So just, those are great little tools for you. So, so no condemnation in Christ. Amen? Amen? But let's be aware of it so that we can be a healthy community. All right, here we go. Melancholic. Y'all are great organized planners, but sometimes you can be a little bit obsessive. Right? You just almost can't handle the messiness of, of, of communities of people. You're like, why can't everyone just write everything down the way that I do? It's so easy. You'll say this. You'll literally find it. It's so easy. Pen, paper, write it all. It's like, but not everyone thinks that way, right? A little bit too cautious. And I, I would say this, it's difficult to lead a thriving life of faith without risk. You can't plan it all the time. You just can't. A little bit pessimistic sometimes. Sometimes if you're, if you're teamed up with a choleric, you'll be like, oh my, they just don't know what it takes. They're always just like, we'll just do this, it'll be great. And you're like, yeah, it'll be great when I pull it off, <laughs> right? <laughs> like melancholy, it's a little bit, you're a little bit like that, that's okay. Deeply affected by tragedy. I really had to camp on this one for me to understand it, but the more I read, and I apologize, I'm not a melancholic personality, but what I understand is because so much of their life is thought out and detailed and planned, and you have such a rich, deep inner thought life, right? That when a tragedy happens, especially to someone you love or you, you feel like your walls are broken down because you couldn't prepare for it. And you start to question like, well, is God really for me? Like, is he protecting me? Like, like, I've been so vigilant and protected. I've guarded everything. Why am I exposed? Like, why am I in danger, right? I think that's, that's interesting because I'm gonna touch back on it in the end. You can also be a little bit of a perfectionist. It's on that slide. Is that okay to say? Is that true? You ever felt that? Like, it's never good enough, no matter how hard you work on it. And if another person is working on it and not you, God help them because you're gonna be like, hey, I'll just, you know, let me just... I'll just, I'm gonna get it right, make sure it's right, <laughs> right? A little bit prone to sadness, that may not be you. If it's not, flush it, don't worry about it, if it's not you. But if it is you, think about, and ask the Lord, don't even think about it, ask the Lord, what does that mean? He'll tell you, he's so good, he'll reveal it. All right, I wrote something for you, you ready? I wanna address the mental loop that melancholics can get in because they'll, they'll get in this mental loop when they can't solve something when they can't fix it. And with people, you just can't fix it. People are messy, that's how it goes. That's what ministry's life, that's what life and faith is, is a bunch of messy people redeemed by grace coming together trying to accomplish the mission of the church. I wrote this for you, give yourself permission to be imperfect. Recognize and allow others around you to be messy. It doesn't mean that they don't care as much as you do. Remember that no matter how much you plan and structure, you'll never be able to order your life so well that you'll be completely insulated from unpredictability. In fact, life in the spirit can never be fully prepared for, but you are completely safe in the hands of the Father. Amen. Love you, hope it blesses you. Hope it blesses you. All right, put up that next slide. Uh, sanguines, oh, half of me is this, and some, I'm like, you better be quiet, sanguine side. 
All right, sanguine. By the way, melancholy, I always forget to do this verse. Um, melancholy, I got a verse for you. Proverbs 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the house, you stay awake vigilantly watching in vain. The Lord gives to his beloved rest. Put the pin down. You don't have to be hypervigilant. God's got you. And unless he's up to it, it doesn't matter anyway. Amen. All right. Sanguines. A little bit chronically late. <laughs> and you're like, I've tried everything. I set alarms on my phone. <laughs> I don't hear them because I'm talking. All right. <laughs> little bit forgetful, right? Sanguines are fun because they can laugh at themselves. They're like, that's totally me. Um, and, then the, and then the melancholics are like, yeah, it is you. I have been saying that. Are you listening? I will take notes for you. And the segment's like, I'll lose them in my car. It won't matter. Okay. So a little bit of a compulsive talker, right? Like, especially like you talk your way out of a paper bag. Like you almost don't fear consequences because you're like, I have this. Oh, I'll get out of anything. It doesn't matter. I'm so charming, right? Um, this one can be a little stinging, a little bit too loud sometimes. And it's not just volume. It's the amount of words that come out because some people need space so that they can interject their opinions and their thoughts and their gifts. Come on. And sometimes if you're not careful, you can leave a meeting or an engagement or a coffee time. You're like, wow, that meeting went so well. It's like, yeah, because you talked the whole time. Of course you thought it went great. You loved what you were saying. Right? But if you leave space for others, you'll be surprised what you learn. A little bit distractible. We got to stay on mission, folks. A little bit. Like I knew this one sanguine guy, and he had like, he, I'm like, what church do you go to? Because I was a pastor at that time. I was a pastor for 11 years. And I said, well, I see you here all the time. Do you go to this church? He's like, I go, I go to five churches. I'm like, oh, all right. I love them all. I'm sure you do. Right, a little bit all over the place. Prone to exaggeration. I'm not saying y'all liars, but you do love a good story. And I'll tell you, you know a sanguine because this is what it looks like. They'll be talking to two people like, oh, so anyway, you know, I was at this place and, and then they'll see someone's listening and they'll be like, oh, oh, okay, you're into, you want that? Okay, all right, all right. So now I got a story going, they're like, oh, did you hear? Okay, and they'll literally back up and they're like, do you have a mic? I'll get on the stage right now, I'll do it. As soon as they see someone else, they're the ones to open up and say, oh, come on in. They'll also go up to any group, no matter what they're talking about, like, and they'll walk in, and they'll push, like, kind of get into the circle, and be like, yeah, I know what you guys are talking about, and then they'll take the ball. Doesn't matter if you give it to them, they'll be like, hey, I got something. That's a sanguine, okay? I wrote something for you. We love you, sanguines. We need you. You're the life of the party. <laughs> I wrote this for you. Uh, I think it's the Lord. Um, this part... <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> Don't email me. Um, you, if this isn't you, flush this first part. You may be tired of hearing this from people that love you. You have so much potential. You might, that might be you. And it's important enough to pause and talk about it because that's a big deal. There's so much in you but you need others. It can't just be about you. Um, my advice is learn to be alone. Learn to seek out time in the quiet just to be with him. 
count the cost and be wise before you start things and before you say things because you want to be able to finish what you start and you want people to be able to trust your words. It matters in a community. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Honor people's time because it's the most valuable resource they have. Just honor it. Just do it. We don't need to debate it. Just do it because <laughs> it matters to others. We need people like you to advance the kingdom through teaching and preaching and evangelism, but guard your tongue because it holds the power of life and death. And I'm here to tell you, God built you to be a life bringer. That's who you are, and we need you. All right, put up the next one. Hope it blesses you. Amen. Mm. Um, this is not meant to be anything sanguines. It's just a tool in Proverbs. If you look up the character of the fool, they can't hold their tongues, they don't plan ahead, and they don't fear consequences, and there is great wisdom in there. I am not saying you are a fool, but that is what the term in, the, in, in Proverbs is, and those, you'll find that a lot of the symptoms of the negative side of just being an unbounded sanguine without the Holy Spirit is in there, so there's wisdom for you. Phlegmatic. Fearful of change. You would just prefer things just stay the same. A little bit prone to laziness. It's, it's sort of known that, so that when they named the phlegmatic, they thought like, oh, their blood. They literally thought this in, in the Greek times. Their blood must be thicker than everyone else and because of their phlegm. And so they're slow, literally. For real, that's what it was. So if you're a low energy person and you have all these other characteristics, just, just heads up. A little bit prone to laziness. A little indecisive at times. Like you don't know what you want. Um, and I do this to my wife. I'll, I'll like give permission to my wife. Like, right, where do you want to eat? You know, she'll go, where do you want to eat? And I'll be like, I don't care. And she'll be like, well, how about Chinese? I'm like, oh, no, not Chinese. So it's like I do care, you know, but like I try to be cool. And then she'll just yield. She'll be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, it's, you know, you need to stand up for yourself a little bit there. And, and the next one lays into it permissive. And I'm like, camp here for one second. Permissive means you just yield your will to others. And I would say this to you right now. Only yield your will to the Father. Do what he wants to do. Because if you're always around really magnetic, really charismatic personalities, be careful because they may end up ruling over you. And you only want the Father to rule over you. If you're in a relationship and you're a phlegmatic, be careful that it doesn't slip into codependence because it's so easy for you to just not make decisions and then the intense person makes all of them. Our community needs you, we need your voice. Don't just permissive it all away. We need your gifts. Um, be, you can be not goal-oriented, a little undisciplinative uh, uh, and unparticipative. I wrote something for you, I hope it helps you. You seem to have few or no negatives because a lot of the issues you face are self-destructive. You have gifts, oftentimes it's discernment or wisdom, and by withholding those from this community, you're not only crippling us in some way, but you might be disobeying the Lord because he put it in you to share. And if you're a phlegmatic husband, listen up, because if you Google dealing with a phlegmatic or living with a phlegmatic, Google auto-completes husband. Either that means every wife is choleric, or there's a thing here, and I think there's a thing, and I want to say this. Adam's sin was the sin of passivity. You see, God didn't tell Eve directly about the fruit. He told Adam, and Adam told Eve. And then when she was ready to do the one thing that he knew they shouldn't do, he stayed quiet. 
It's like, man, husbands, listen up. I know it's tough. You got to overcome that personality trait, but you were called to lead. You were called to it. When you chose that wife, you chose God's structure, and you're a leader in Jesus' name. You're a leader. All right. So you got to speak up, brother. All right. <clears throat> Why are we talking about all this if it's true that knowing ourselves isn't as important as knowing Christ? And I agree. It's because I believe that we are, at the, as the church, we're like rocks in a rock tumbler. I got a rock tumbler when I was a kid. You, anybody know what a rock tumbler is? When you collect rocks and you want to polish them, what you do is you throw them in a tumbler with other rocks and you roll them around with water and an adjutant, usually sand, all right, or silica. And that's a whole lot like a church. We've got people of different personalities and gifts and temperaments Everybody comes in unpolished. And the process of the church sanctifies us. He sanctifies us through it. And, and some of you right now, the callers are like, well, I know who the adjutant is. No, no, the adjutant is the things that we face together. The water is the spirit and his word. And when you combine the difficulties with a God who loves and cares, and we stay together in the tumbler, we can accomplish anything. I'm telling you, the only way you don't get polished is if you jump out of the tumbler. You want to not get sanctified? Quit. You want to not be polished and, and as shining and beautiful as God intended you to be? Go it alone. But I promise you this, if you're in the church, you have one destiny, and it's to look just like Jesus. And he's going to use this to do it. And anyone who's married ought to know that nothing quite refines you like your marriage and your kids. And if you don't quit the way God intended you to not quit a marriage and to not quit on your kids, it will absolutely shine you up. You have to. And that's the thing, right, in the American church. And in, we have it so easy. We almost... When things, like, we, we, we want to attend a church. God called us to be the church. You can't attend it. You are it. You just can't. It's not an option. It was never intended to be an option. I would say, if anything, it's a distraction from what really is going on. If you just want to attend a church, that isn't God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to be in this with us, polished by us and by him through difficulties, never giving up on one another. Can I read you a verse right now? And I, I, I'm kind of particular to like the ESV, but I got to tell you, man, the message version of this scripture wrecked me. It's Ephesians 4. Paul talks about the church of the body of Christ a few times in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right before the love chapter, because y'all know we need it. <laughs> All right, and in Ephesians 4, I'm going to read it to you. It'll be on the screen. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to go out there and walk. No, no, better yet, run on the road that God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. Hello, phlegmatics, there we go. I don't want anyone strolling off down a path that goes nowhere, sanguines, we're talking to you. All right, all right. And mark this, do it with humility Cholerics and discipline. Melancholy's like, got that one. All right. 
not in fits and starts, but steady, pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love, alerting and noticing differences and quick to mend fences. Pause. I submit to you that what breaks up churches is not sin, it's offense. And what we do instead of staying in the rock tumbler is we quit. We leave. We go, well, they hurt me or they didn't listen to me. Try again. Stay in it, man. Stay in it, sis. It's built for you. God said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He called you to go make disciples. It's not on us to build the church. It's on us to be the church. You just got to stay in it. Don't leave. In the, in the, you know, when Paul was writing the New Testament, it was like to the church of Ephesus. You know, the people in Ephesus couldn't be like, well, Paul offended me. We're going to Smyrna, right? Like, you had to leave the city. But in America, there's a church every 10 blocks. And if you don't like what's happening, you can just up and leave. But the problem with that is you stay jagged and unpolished because the people that needed you and you needed them. That was the truth. Well, God's called me to leave. Well, how many churches did he call you to leave? I'm going to keep reading this. You were all called to travel the same road in the same direction. Man, I love the Bible. You love the Bible. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism. Water baptisms next week. All right, all right. One baptism, one God, one Father of all who rules all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you think and do is permeated with oneness. Is that what you want? That's what I want. That's what he wants. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Hallelujah. We don't have to be homogenized. We got to stay together. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us has given his own gifts. All right, I want to stop right here. Because I want to give time for people to respond. I'm here to tell you one thing. That if you were called to love one another and be in this church with us, with me. I'm not on staff. I don't get paid to be here. I'm, here. I'm one of you. See, the big mystery is that the people on the platform were actually called to equip us to do the work of the ministry. That's what the scripture says. It's in the next part of that passage. Because the ministry happens not when we gather, though some does. The ministry happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you come back on Sunday and you get filled up so you can go back and do the work of the ministry. What's stopping you from finding that person at work that's in chemo and going and sitting with them? Come on, Phlegmatics, I know you're good at it. You love to sit with people. You love to be with people. You have high empathy. Cholerics, what's stopping you from showing up and being, I'll lead, choose me. I'll be here, choose me. So I'm gonna give you four things that you can do if you wanna be involved in Jesus's thing that he's building called the church. Number one, stand up, okay? Um, stand up, be identified, pick a church, commit, don't quit. Be like, this is my place. Next thing, show up. You might have made a mental commitment, now you need to make a real priority, you gotta be here for God's people because we need you and heads up, you need us. We get more rocks in a rock tumbler, the more polished we all are and the more people we get to reach and change for the gospel. So y'all need to show up. Number three, you gotta speak up. 
Well, what happens if they don't listen to me? Say it again. Bring your ideas, bring your gifts. Deposit the word of knowledge, operate. Make it happen. Well, what if they don't listen to my idea? I don't know, was it any good? It's okay. It's not about you, it's about us. Speak up. Don't drift off into the darkness unnoticed. Make us notice. Speak up. Last thing, stay put. Because if you do the other three, you're going to get tumbled with the rest of us. Stay in it. Stay put. Don't leave. Don't quit. Don't quit on your marriages. Don't quit on your kids. Don't quit on this church. When God calls you to a place, you stay in it. Why? You're a Christian. Christians used to be bad, man. We used to be like tough. We used to be on the outside going, we don't give up. And now there's a church every corner. We're like Starbucks. Be Dutch bros. Jump in people's cars. You heard about Jesus? Come with me. Will you stand to your feet?